0: Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, we are joining Russ at his construction site. Uh, so you'll be hearing some hammering and banging in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, Act may be joining us, but we'll uh, forge forth here with uh, the pre-show and some news today.
1: Go ahead, Russ. All right. So let's talk about a little bit more NFL draft and the New York Jets. So I'm watching Center for literally just 10 minutes, and – they happen to talk about the Jets. So they did this real puff piece on how Zach Wilson, uh, some are saying he could be the next Patrick Mahomes. And I, I pretended not to choke um, when I heard that because it's total baloney. And then uh, they were talking about what their possible needs are. So then they lead into an interview with Booger McFarlane and oh. the, the interview is like, well, you know, they have this, they have that. They were the worst offense in the league. What do they need? And he's like, running back and he goes, they need a running back. And it's like, and so he goes through the couple of running backs and he goes, but not in the first round, in the second round. And it's like, okay, when you put on the screen priorities and you have a young quarterback coming in and you're not gonna talk about what they should draft with their other first round pick, you shouldn't be on the segment because their priority should be the offensive line and protecting this young quarterback. That's the priority, whether they do that or not is a whole other story. But that's the priority. And the fact that he would only talk about a running back and mention three or four of them and mention it for the second round, Mike, what is the meaning of the word priority? Like, why was he even on this segment? I don't even think these guys prepare for this stuff. Because if he understood the Jets at all, he wouldn't even have gone with that.
0: Well, that's typical ESPN, having people who are ill prepared or prepared only to give hot takes. Yeah. And I mean, remember Booger McFarland, who was doing the color commentating on the uh, Bills-Houston playoff game, and he and he said he said something so ridiculous that I can't even remember. I blanked it from my memory, but it was during it was during the game in the fourth quarter when a certain play happened. I think it was when uh, Josh Allen like lost the ball and or, or ran back twenty years and got sacked, and he made some ridiculous comment. And it was, just because this guy was in the NFL doesn't mean he's a good commentator. I honestly think he's a moron. But you know, but honestly, there are some people on ESPN
1: that I think give good insightful commentary. No, no, there absolutely know. are. But when you're talking about something like a draft you need to actually talk to a guy who understands the draft and the team. Now, I'm not saying the Jets don't need a running back, and I'm not saying they're not going to take one in the second round. But when you know they have two first-round picks and you're talking about the priority of the team, sure. if you take this young quarterback that you just pumped up for the last two minutes with totally farcical information, you got to do better than that. Imagine if I went on SiriusXM, my, my spot this week, and you know, I tell them ahead of time, hey, we're going to talk about what these teams need in the first round, and I start talking about the second round. How do you think the host is going to react to that? It would be your last spot. Yeah, it would be my last spot.
0: Yeah, and and uh, honestly, <laughs> I, this is the thing. I mean, you should have more of an insightful – comment or point of view especially when it comes to the Jets as and as you know they have so many holes right now that you could say about seven different things and it would be right you know offensive line uh uh, linebacker defensive
1: tackle yeah go down down and don't worry Mike they mentioned at the very end of the segment well they might go for that edge rusher at 23 something the Jets haven't been able to draft in a decade But, yes, let's try again because we have another defensive coach who is going to swear that he could turn this guy into the next sack leader. It's not going to happen. Stay away from the edge rusher. It's total garbage.
0: Yeah, Vernon Golston is on the uh – Vernon
1: Golston, Quentin Copels, Zuninga right now on the team who I think not only didn't have a sack – I'm not even sure he had more than 10 tackles for the year – He was like a third round pick. He was the next edge rusher. That was a steal that Joe Douglas found. Like I'm just as fans, we get tired of this kind of stuff. And it's like, understand the organization. Don't just blurt out what you think this coach should get based on his success with other NFL franchises. The Jets are not any other NFL franchise. There's a lot of difference in there. I get what Johnny's saying, but you're going to be watching again because they're going to be doing hockey. That's why I brought it up. And So, so Johnny, what this means
0: is you're going to – I mean, the only thing I can equal out Booger McFarland to is you're going to get lots of insightful commentary from Barry Melrose. Lots
1: of it. Yeah, hopefully they do like Barry Melrose draft coverage. I would love to see that. That would be just tremendous.
0: Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, April twenty second, 2021.
1: I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
0: And I'm Michael Agello and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com.
1: All right, we'll start with some of the games from the last Can time. I give an update first? Sure. Because Timothy wanted to know how the bathroom renovation is going, so I'll let him know. They they did install the floor of the shower stall. The plumber was already here. Uh they're putting in the electrician was already here. So they're putting in the um the insulation and they had the drywall going up today, and they have some of the um waterproof stuff, ceiling tiles going up over the shower and you know, the and right now it's just a plywood floor. The other floor hasn't come in yet. So that's that's where we're at. I'll update you, Timothy, when when I know more. Okay, (laughs) we'll start with with
0: the games last night and the Vegas Golden Knights with their 5-2 victory over the San Jose Sharks become the first of the 16 teams to clinch a playoff spot. Now, I watched only a few minutes of this game. I saw that San Jose was starting a rookie goaltender in his second NHL start and I said, yeah, this is not going to be much of a contest and it ended up not being much of a contest. Now, I think everybody expected Vegas to make the playoffs. Of course, uh, it's a question of how far they're going to get in the playoffs. And I look at that division, and like, I mean, round two, if it ends up being Vegas Colorado, that's probably the toughest round two
1: matchup you could possibly get in the league. Yeah, I, I do think Vegas would have trouble with their with Colorado's speed. Uh, that game was close until that young goalie. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name right now. But that young goalie misplayed a puck behind the net. And that went into the back of the net. And just about, you know, 25 seconds later. And then the whole game started to shift. It was pretty physical until then, Mike. Like there was a lot of hitting. San Jose was keeping it close. But that was the point where the veteran team, the better veteran team, just took advantage and then snowballed it after that. Yeah, Coronar, I think it's. I mean, yeah, Coronar, something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's Czech, so it's probably not Coronar. It's probably Coronash or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I give I give uh, Vegas full credit because, and you got to remember, Leonard was out for a sizable period of time and Flurry stood up. And took uh, and took on uh, you know the number one goaltending role when a lot of people probably thought that he couldn't do it anymore, and it's had a fantastic year. So they really got saved by Flurry, and now that Leonard is back, you got that one-two punch and goal. And I would assume that they're going to go with Flurry in the playoffs, but I can't make that assumption because he thought that they were going to go with Flurry in the in the playoffs last year, even though he was having a sort of
1: an off year, and they went with Leonard. So who knows what? Uh, what
0: uh, Vegas is going
1: to do. We don't know, but let's talk about Robin Leonard yesterday who did open his mouth in in a press conference and decided to talk about how frustrating and disappointing the whole vaccination process was because the league promised him one thing and it didn't happen after. You know, basically, I think players believed that once they got vaccinated they could just go back and do whatever the hell they wanted right. but i don't think players understood that this is a moving target you really can't blame the league if they said this is what we think today this is i'll tell you what this is like mike this is like you dropping off your car at at the garage right you drop it off and they say hey sign this sheet these are the things we're looking at um we think it's this and then they call you two hours later and they'd say it's this that and the other yeah. and then when that happens Then plans change. And I think someone got to Leonard after because then he changed his remarks a little bit. But the idea was I get you could be frustrated from the mental health standpoint. We all have gone through this. We're all changing our lives because of this. Got it. But the other part where you're disappointed because you felt like restrictions were going to loosen up because you got vaccinated. Well, guess what? Join the rest of the world, buddy. And that's the point where athletes have to understand the rest of the world, what they're going through, too. And some don't. The first thing I thought of
0: when I heard Leonard's comments was, OK, I just got my second shot a week ago. In a week, I'll be two weeks out and then I'll be, quote, fully vaccinated, unquote. Right. That doesn't change the fact that I'm going to have to go out with a mask in most places because, you know, you still have to – uh uh, respect the limitations that are out there. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that I can, like, I can go back to the local gym that I have a membership at. But the problem is, is that I don't want to go to a gym without wearing a mask because I've been uh, doing physical therapy with a mask, and I can barely breathe if I'm on the exercise bike or if I'm on, yeah. on the elliptical. So, I, you know, I may not go back to that gym until. I don't have to wear a mask, which could be another six months. I mean, luckily it's the summer and I'll be able to run and walk and do other things and and and, and get my car, cardio up that way. But honestly, it's like we're not going – just because we're vaccinated, everything is not going to go back to square one, not right away, I hope eventually things go, will go back to square one, but it's not going to be instantaneous. And Robin Leonard, I mean, I, I
1: respect all the No, we, we get it. We know that it's tough on him mentally, but that still doesn't mean he didn't speak out of turn because he did. He, well, he was speaking like a privileged person. That's well, what he was speaking different.
0: like. This is the only thing that I'll, I'll say as a caveat here. I mean, and I don't know, there's no way for us to know whether it's whether it's true or not. If he was told by the NHL, and the NHL is denying that they said this, but if he was told by NHL sources that they could go back to the way things were as soon as they got vaccinated, then he has a right to be pissed off. Because- I'm sure
1: they didn't use it in those direct terms because they haven't been saying anything in those direct terms. I think they said the hope, I'm pretty sure they would have said something like, hey, the hope is we could do this after this happens. And guess what? You know, hope doesn't always work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think. And the funny thing uh, um, in the media availabilities this morning, some of the Leaf players were asked about Leonard's comments, and Foligno, or Nick Felino had a very thoughtful answer. Um, he says he, you know, he knows Leonard a little bit from their days in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But really, it's. I mean, again, I think everybody wants things to go back to normal. I mean, yeah. right? Now, if you're living in Ontario, you can't go out and golf. And I'm not a golfer, but like honestly, you're telling me that you can't, you know, you can't do things that even even
1: in the outdoors. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, it's not that. It's not that. You know what it is? It's It's, the it's it's the after. It's the we're going to congregate and drink together. We're going to stand around and speak loudly together, and that's what they don't want, right? If it was Uh, simply, hey, you can go on the golf course. Everybody's got to get spaced. There's no drinking or eating and you can go through your 12 holes, they could do that. And then you know how many golfers would show up? Half of them. Right. Because,
0: I mean, m- most of them, the motivation is it's to enjoy the game, it's to enjoy the outdoors, it's to enjoy a beer or two. Right. And, and right now you
1: can't do that.
0: Right. And so um, so, so, other games last night, uh, this one I watched a lot of. Uh, it was on NBCSN. Uh, and Timothy Park, no, you would not to lo- you would not love to see me golf. If you want to see golf clubs broken against a tree, that's what you would see if I would golf. So that, that's why you will never see me golf. Um, the game on NBCSN last night was – Pretty boring until I turned back in the third period when when Nashville was up 4-1 to
1: one and all of a sudden it was 4-4. You know, you would have thought things were going well for Nashville when Grinland scored with about one second or no seconds left in the uh, – I guess that was the second period. Um, I watched it. It was interesting. I watched it up to that point. I left it for a little while and then saw that they were catching up and then went back to it. Well. And- Luke Cun- Luke Cunning scored 58 seconds into the third, so that
0: made it 4-1. Yeah. Then Chicago scored three goals in two minutes and 51 seconds to tie it up. And then had a double minor power play. Had a, f- a four-minute power play at the end of regulation that was really – Disjointed, but they needed to win that game in regulation to move two two, two points closer to Nashville. I and mean, they only moved one point, and it's you know when you're down four to one, will you do take a five four victory in overtime? Yeah, yes, but you really
1: need, <coughs> needed that uh, needed that win in regulation. Two things I'll say here: first <laughs> one is, UC Saros is not a good goaltender. Second one is, making the playoffs will be the worst thing that could happen to the Nashville Predators. It really would be because they're not going to make as much playoff revenue as they normally would. They're not going to help themselves for next year, and they're just getting older and the team's getting worse. This team may limp into the playoffs, but they're not beating anybody. No, they're going to get de- they're going to get destroyed by either
0: Carolina, Tampa, or Florida. Whoever whoever uh, wins first place in that division, you know, it's a consolation prize basically to get it to get fourth place in that division. I, don't I do
1: want to mention um, why Kaliniak scored his third goal. Look, I I said I would try and do everything I could if I were the Flyers to sign him at the time. For whatever reason, he didn't go there. Maybe he he thought <clears throat> there were too many uh, too much competition, so he went to Chicago but I, I told people he he's got a lethal shot and he's great on the power play. And he is, he is living up to it, man. So good for, good for Chicago. Chicago's scrappy, right? They're fighting. They've there's, got some, there's such a hodgepodge. I mean, they are a hodgepodge. They're another team, but they could go further than a Nashville. If they made the playoffs simply because of guys like Kane and there's some of their secondary scoring to bring it all those kinds of guys, they could actually go further than Nashville. Nashville's, they're not going anywhere, but Chicago first would have to make the playoffs. Uh,
0: other games last night, the uh, Minnesota Wild uh, beat the Coyotes 4-1. Uh, to one. Um, You know, if you look at the standings right now in these divisions. Now, Minnesota, um, they're right there in third place behind Vegas and Colorado, ni- nicely nestled in third spot. They might be able to – catch Colorado, but probably not there. Colorado's got two games in hand or had three points. So they're probably going to play whoever loses the race for top spot uh, in the West. And then you look at Arizona and I mean, I think Arizona is done even though they're in fourth spot. Um, St. Louis has four games in hand and they're a point behind them. They're going to
1: gut it out. You know, they are.
0: Yeah, San, I mean, San. San Jose is trailing behind, so I think it's. I think St. Louis is going to be end up in fourth spot, and if they Ve- if Vegas wins first spot, it'll be very interesting to see Vegas versus St. Louis, and uh, with Pe- with Petrangelo playing against the Louis uh, team. if he's back from injury. I don't. Know, I don't know if he's back from
1: injury yet. Yeah, that's interesting. You got a little muffled there a couple times, Mike, when you turned your head. I'm not sure why. Maybe the mic where it's set up. Is it better now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I. I don't disagree with any of that. I don't. I, again, I think Arizona is just one of these teams. We do talk around about deferential a lot, and they're a minus 26. You know, San Jose is a minus 35. It catches up with you, and it catches up with you at the worst possible times. But this league, the way this league is, and especially the way it is right now in division, you can be sort of a paper tiger, and I think that's exactly what Arizona is. I'm not telling you St. Louis is great. They've been completely inconsistent the whole year, but they have enough experience and players that they're going to just limp in and and make it. I don't know if they'll do anything, but they could certainly do that. And, you know, in the other division what everybody was saying, hey, they think Dallas will make it. I kind of think Dallas will make it too, but, you know, I can't count all those games in hand. I know it is 925 this year. I get it. I still don't think he's a good goalie. You're never going to convince me that Yushi Saros is a good goalie because every time I see that he needs to win a game that they really need, he doesn't win it.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, smaller goalies always have a issue in this league now. Not to say that every big goalie is going to be great because we've seen Anders Lindbach, who was the biggest goalie and he was a yeah. But you know, but really, it's like I mean, you can count the number of. Smaller goalies under six foot on one hand that are good in this league, and I don't know if you. I I know that Saros
1: has put up good stats, but I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's, have we seen him win something that we say, wow. You know what? He carried the team on his back. He stood on his head. Have we had this moment from him yet?
0: Well, we. I mean, he did when we hit when he hit, they had their winning streak in March. It was, I believe. Well, no, that's right. That he was out. It was. It was mostly Rene. So yeah.
1: yeah. That's what I'm saying. I just haven't seen. Until he wins something big, I'm going to still have this take on UC Saro. Sorry.
0: Yeah. And the only other game last night was a light schedule, only four games, was the Montreal Canadiens Canadians getting off the Schneid, winning 4-3 to three in Edmonton. Now, this is a big loss for the Oilers because – It is. Um, they had two games in hand on Toronto. They were five points behind. They lose one of the games in hand. They gain no points. So now, you know, I mean, not to say they, it's impossible for them to, them to catch up. It's not impossible for Winnipeg to catch the Leafs. But this was, you know, you're playing a struggling Montreal team who had lost, a, I, I think it was five or six in a row. I think they. they yeah, were, I think it was five. Yeah, and and Montreal comes out on top. Uh, I'm just looking up who the goal scorers are. Mm-hmm. Leckon, uh, Josh Anderson, Foley and Josh Anderson. I mean, Josh Anderson's got
1: 17. I yeah, think- Josh Anderson has been a tremendous, tremendous pickup for them. For, all the-, for all the credit, rust that we give Jan Kekalainen this was a hideous trade. Yeah. this. But we-, we knew it could backfire on him. We said it that if Josh Anderson was going to play like Josh Anderson, then Montreal probably did get the better of this trade. And we did talk about that, and he is fitting right in. Um, the other thing is we also have to talk about Toffoli because, again, he's always been a goal scorer. But, you know, there are times when we have questioned his output. Uh, they've found, you know, the right spot for him again, too. But this is also what we were talking to Eck about. Montreal's is going to have these kinds of games. It's not going to be pretty down the stretch with Carey Price missing a lot of time. But they're going to make the playoffs, right? They will. They will limp into the playoffs.
0: They're they're like they're like Boston and they're like Pittsburgh in that uh, in that Eastern division where yes, they're not perfect. Yes, they have flaws. Yes, they're they have flaws that might eliminate them early in the playoffs. But
1: they're gonna make the playoffs, right? I have to go back and answer something for Davey because he's like, but Anderson didn't want to stay in Columbus. But it doesn't matter. The GM knows this when these guys are there. He sort of has an inkling, I am sure, more than a few weeks, usually half a season before he's going to trade somebody that this guy is not going to stay and resign based on negotiations they had over the offseason. So you have to blame the GM on this simply because they knew he was going to be traded. And so you know what? You have to do the best you can in that trade. Now,
0: remember. Domi was a restricted free agent. So was Anderson. Anderson yep. was coming off a year where he, played, he scored one goal and yep. he injured for most of the season. So his okay. I freely acknowledge that his value was down. But he is having he was having shoulder surgery to correct his issue. Uh He's a big-bodied power forward who had proved that he could play that role in Columbus. I mean, you remember that year that they beat Tampa Bay and won against Boston. He was a house on fire in that in that series. So, but and here's the thing. They were looking for center help and Domi had proved in Arizona and Montreal that he wasn't a center. Right. So, he, so they make the trade. Benjamin rolls the dice. And signs Anderson to a five. I think it was a five-year contract at five and a half, maybe it was longer than that. Maybe seven years at five and a half million. So he gets him at a good at a good number, but it was, but it was, it was definitely risky. Um, and and uh, and uh, Columbus signs Domi for two years uh, at five point three. Right now, the risk that Bergerman took looks like a grand slam home run in the bottom of the ninth. While Yarmo has got an albatross around his neck because Tortorella is healthy scratching Max Domi right now in Columbus. Now, you know, Tortorella might be gone, but who the hell – I mean, they'll probably expose Max Domi to the expansion draft.
1: Yeah, right now I I, I feel bad. Right now Columbus is kind of like – you know how they – you know, you would say in the Westerns they're circling the wagons. They're done with circling the wagons. It's beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there and, are no more wagons.
0: And and okay, like okay, I've talked about this with with Ack, and we've mentioned it on the on the show with Kevin Allen, um, regarding Columbus. That franchise is in trouble, and the reason that they're in trouble is that they can never convince anybody to stay. They're so anxious to get the hell out of Dodge. And that's why, like when they were going for the playoffs a couple of years ago, and Kevin has explained it, they had you know they had to win a first round matchup. No, you have to think of the self-preservation of the franchise. That's why you don't go all out and sell a, a year's worth of draft picks to make a futile run. To to the set, you know, you were going up against Tampa Bay. I mean, yes, they won. Yes, they swept. Did anybody expect that to happen? No. And then, in the second round, they lost to Boston. So it was stupid to trade for Duchene and trade for Dzingel and keep Panarin and keep Bobrovsky. They should have never made the trades for Duchene. They should have never made the trade for Dzingel, and they should have traded Panarin and Bobrovsky and gotten assets for them because they need to draft and develop and keep their own assets rather than go out and and try to be the New York Rangers or the Maple Leafs. Nobody wants to go to Columbus.
1: Nobody. No, but they did need playoff revenue at the time. So I I get it. I I know. That was the yin and the yang of it. But, you know, Columbus reminds me of of the Washington Nationals. Nobody stays there either. And, And that is a thing, but they still managed to win and so it's not like Columbus can never win, but if guys don't stay there long term, then they're going to have to used to be used to playing like this and and operating like this and it's hard. It's and very Stephen, hard.
0: Steven Strasburg is basically the Rick Nash of the Washington Nationals because yeah, he's, he, he's I think he's thrown time. 15 games in the last 3 years or well, something. As soon as he signed the big contract, he had an arm injury and he was out for the year. And you know, so you know, is Patrick Line the one Soto? Because you know, Soto, as soon as he has the opportunity to get out of Dodge, he's going to. Yeah, no, there's no question.
1: And that's, it's just a fact. And again, I didn't like the Line trade because I didn't trust Line would be his best. And he wasn't. He's playing his worst. Yeah. Liney's in the midst of another horrible year.
0: Yeah. And okay, I'll, I'll put this up here, Roger. Um, Torts has a, no. I, I don't think that the the downswing of the franchise has to do with Torts. In fact, no. Torts got them further with the talent that they had than than most coaches would. Now he he is he wears people out. It's time for him to go. He's yes. not going to be. He's not going to be back. They're going to need a coach, oh with a new direction, somebody who will play an offensive. Uh, and also like positive
1: energy. energy. They're going to need a lot of positive energy.
0: And, uh, you know, William says Boudreau in Columbus. Okay, he, you know what? he could be a good
1: fit for there. Right. But, the, but,
0: but again, the problem is, yes, Boudreau would be an excellent choice. Maybe Line a would start scoring. Maybe he would utilize Domi in a different way where he could be somebody who's productive. Okay. The problem is Zach Wierenski is two years away from unrestricted free agency, and Seth Jones is one. Can you get them signed? If you can't, then the problem repeats over and over.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and, and the problem and is over. Line A is the next to leave, right? So that's. Jones. Jones. Uh, no, A- I think Line A will be gone before Jones. Well, I mean, if they trade him. But Line, yeah. line A is. Line There's A- no point. Is there? Let me ask you this. Is there any point going into next season with Patrick, Patrick Line A on that team? I say no. Um, I don't see the benefit.
0: I don't well only if they have a coach that they think they can get the get more out of them. If we're only getting
1: there for half a season, anyhow.
0: But the thing, well, the thing is, is does he want to be there? And if he doesn't he want, he doesn't to, want to be there. Right. Come I mean, on, I don't think he wants to be there. And again, that's the same problem that we've had over and over. Nobody wants to be there.
1: Yeah, I just say at the end of the day, they do need to find players that want to be there, and it is hard in some of these cities. That's why Rick Nash. You know, if you think about what he did there, he was the only guy that really did want to be there, yeah. right? We have to give Rick Nash credit for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in the end, he ended up going to the Rangers because he knew that he couldn't win there. He yes. wanted to win there. He was willing to sign a big contract, make nine million dollars a year. But the problem is, is that he couldn't win there because they couldn't surround him with enough
1: talent to make it make it possible for him to. Win. I knew I knew there was a moment with Rick Nash a couple of years before he got traded. Um, I was I did a sit down interview with him and his agent. Uh, it was at a, like a an NHL two K event when they were still making games, and we didn't talk that much about Columbus. But I also got the feeling he didn't want to talk that much about Columbus, and that's when it sort of dawned on me. Okay, he he is not here for the long haul. I never wrote about it. I never talked about it because it was just a gut feeling I had, um, but. You know, there's been a lot of other guys that way, but he stuck it out the longest. I mean, uh, Flamester, I, I, I don't get this.
0: They should have fired him before the year started. Okay, you're gonna fire Tortorella after he should have won Coach of the Year. He should have won Coach of the Year last year because they were devastated by injuries and they made the playoffs. Devastated. I mean, had, you know, the, the, they were they got through with Corpasallo and Merzlikens. And they had lost a ton of people up front, and you know, like to the point that, you know, they were playing Nathan Gerby twenty minutes a night, and they still made the playoffs. And then they beat Toronto in 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 the in in the play uh, in. The, in the so I mean, no. But anyway, um, okay. So a couple things about some games tonight. Uh, We'll take some questions in the chat and do some, uh, well, first of all, actually, let's start with uh, some of the prospect news and not prospect for the draft prospects. A lot of teams are giving players uh, looks before the, the, before the end of the season. And I, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, the Buffalo Sabers announced today that their first-round pick from 2020, Jack Quinn, who had played all year in the AHL with Rochester, was undergoing a season-ending seri- ser- uh, surgery, so so he could be ready for for training camp next year. Now I'm just looking up. The Funny thing was, uh, we we talked to um, to Joe Yurden, Russ, and and Joe had said that. Um, you know Quinn was struggling in Rochester. That he clearly was a man was a boy among men there. But if you look at it, he had nine points in 15 games, which offensively is not bad. But no. he, he was a minus 14 in 15 games. So that, that that shows to me that defense. You know defense wasn't he wasn't aware of what was what needed to be done to play at at, at the AHL level.
1: He's a really good skater. He's got a great shot. He's got to work on every other facet of his game, strength, defense, all those other things. They went based on the talent of the shot, which is fine. You know, Cole Caulfield was similar. They went with the speed factor, which is fine. But now there's a rounding out of the game that has to happen. Now,
0: just think that. Think of this. He's having surgery now to be ready for training camp. Okay. So he's to be ready for training camp in September. Um. He'll be 20 in mid-September. He's going right back to the American Hockey League. Yeah,
1: you
0: know he's not going back to junior as an overageer. He's going back to the American Hockey League, and he's going to more than likely um, play probably a full year. um, You know, so I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, I I mean,
1: it's gonna take a while. Listen, just because you picked him high doesn't make him an NHLer. It's going to take a while for him. Yeah. Now points are one thing; being able to score those points in the NHL are
0: another thing. Now the other bit of news uh, regarding the Sabers, which was a little surprising, that they've been playing uh, Dustin Tokarski a, a lot the last uh, few games, and actually he won NHL first star of the week. Um, Good for and- Dustin. He's a great guy. I just he stuck it out, man. That's what we got to give him credit. But uh, they announced that uh, that. Ukapeka their their prized uh, goaltending prospect, is going to get a start in the next couple games. And Russ, I look at his stats. Now, he's played most of the games for Rochester. This is what they really wanted after him playing in the ECHL most of the year last year to step him up to the next level. Right. He's got a winning record, but he's got a 3.6 goals against and an
1: 888 save percentage. So really, it's like, I mean – He's got all the physical tools, Mike, but it's it's to me it's always been mental with Pekka Lukianen, and there were certain mental hurdles he had to get over. He did get over one of them in the World Juniors, but I just feel like now he's going to have to you know, get over it being a pro. Let's see what happens. I mean, look, they shouldn't give him more than the one game because, A, he's not ripping it up where he was, and it's not like the Sabres have great defense. So it is possible he goes in there and gets lit up. If he goes in there and gets lit up, you could shrug it off and say, all right, look, we gave you your game. You have to work on some stuff. But, you know, you don't want that to happen two or three times this season and him going into the offseason thinking, wow, I am really not ready for the NHL, I'm not even close, because – who knows who their goalie is going to be next year? They right. may, you know, Olmark's not a guarantee to come back. I don't know who's going to be in net for them.
0: Well, I mean, see, and that's that's the thing. They had to they had to have a certain amount of confidence that they were going to get Olmark signed if they didn't trade him at the deadline. Because if they traded him, if they didn't trade him at the deadline and he walks, then Kevin Adams
1: has got egg on his face. Yeah, no question. I mean. This I don't know why the Sabers haven't been able to uh, procure goaltending, but this has been a problem for a long time, Mike, and and this is yep. going back. It's been a problem since Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller left, it really has been.
0: Now I, Olmark has been the best of a bad lot, and this year he's had pretty good stats. I don't know. I mean, i i, I cover the I cover the uh, the Sabers for other website, and. I, I don't know whether all has been re-injured because they have been t- playing to a lot lately. Um, so I'm assuming that he is re-injured, yeah. but yeah, they, they, you know, and I don't think they're going to get all back unless they overpay him because they've got a ton of cap space and they need a number one goaltender. Yeah. Now- here's
1: the, here's the update on the, on the all contract, Davey. He's going UFA. That's what he's doing. He's not signing a contract. He is going UFA. This is his one chance to get paid, and the Sabres will have to overpay if they want to keep him, but then they're also going to have to figure out the plan. See, if they overpay, they're probably only going to overpay for like three years, Mike, and he's going to look for more. He's 27 years old.
0: So if, he, if, if we're talking overpayment, we're talking term and money. Yeah, and, but see, if they go
1: term and money, then what are you doing with Pekka Luka? And then, then now all of a sudden, unless you don't think he's a number one, you got a problem.
0: Um. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. Like if you go five years, you've go you got a problem. If you go five times five, then what you're saying is, okay, pack a and then prove it to me. Right. And then, and then after three, after his entry-level deal is up, if you pay him – you know, the, a bridge deal amount of like three to 4 million, then you're spending $9 million on goaltending. But the thing is, is that B- Buffalo has 30, Buffalo has so much money on under the cap that they don't, they don't know what to do with it. And the right. problem
1: and no, is- this guy, William in the chat room said, Ryan Miller got lit up his first game. will game one game won't hurt his future. Exactly. That's exactly what I said. One game won't matter. You play him two or three and it does it going into the off season. That's when it matters. That's exactly okay. what I said.
0: Marty Baron started his career against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 90s, the Mario Lemieux Penguins. He made his first NHL start at the Igloo and lost 8-1. Now, he had a pretty good career, but that's not where you want to put your young goaltenders is in a situation where they get destroyed. So, I mean, I'm I'm all for giving. And you know what? This is the thing. Um, Don Granato, and we talked about this a few times, Don Granato has done a really good job. Um, bringing out the youngsters, giving them opportunity, infusing them with confidence—they're playing. I mean, they're playing so much better than they did under uh, than under that sham Ralph Kruger. Because Ralph Kruger sold basically everybody a bill of goods in Buffalo, and I think everybody should sort of be pissed off at Ralph Kruger for that. But if you look at over the last three weeks to a month since they, you know, since Kruger was fired, Middle Stat's playing better. Cousins is playing better. Uh, Darlene is playing better. They're giving opportunities to Samuelson and to uh, Will Borgen is coming back in the lineup. I mean, they're wine uh, 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 not uh, Rutsalainen, the uh, Finnish prospect that they signed, who was playing in Rochester. He's playing. They're giving the youngsters a chance. That's smart. We're- which, when you're bad, when you suck,
1: that's the one thing you could do.
0: That's the one thing you can do, and you know, all oh, gee, all of a sudden, uh, uh, Kyle Laposo is having season-ending surgery for a facial. show. Sure, he is. They probably said, you know, we
1: we probably are going to buy you out. So let's give this spot to a youngster who's going right. to see what he can show us for next year. The other thing is um, Zach Jones will make his debut for the Rangers. That's nice. He's a really good skating defenseman, offensive guy. He. I doubt he'll get power play. Maybe they'll throw him in the second for a couple of times. But he um, he can play well in the corners. Does have some pushback. Does need to get a little stronger. But he he's a terrific talent. And so that's another good step forward for the, for the Rangers. I do have breaking news, Mike. Um, in a press conference this morning, I guess it was or maybe it was yesterday. You'll know better. Um, looks like um, Nick Felino was wearing his dad Mike's hat but it looks like it was never worn so it sounds it looks like mike got the hat and he threw it directly into um, something because it doesn't look like it was ever worn Uh, no i i it
0: was it was uh it was in the media availability a couple minutes before the show and i actually took a picture of it and put it on yeah no it's a very it's a very pristine looking hat for For a 93 issue right for being a 90 93 issue uh (laughs) but uh you know hey it's not impossible that he didn't didn't have that put in plastic or he had an extra one, you know, I mean, I, who, who knows, but, but it's cool. Well, it, it wasn't, he didn't throw it in the trash. That's obvious. Well, no, because of course he's proud. He was proud to be on the, the team that <laughs> you know, the passion that unites us all the 93 Leafs that of course got screwed by Carrie Fraser and Wayne Gretzky. Those you guys. know, it's
1: just, it's just amazing how many shows go back to that and how you have that little sliver of a memory and that's all you have. Like that's it. It's crazy. Well I feel bad. I don't I really don't feel
0: bad. No, but I really Nine okay, hey, excuse <laughs> me. 99, and two thousand two. They made the conference finals those four years. I was eleven year old eleven years old when they made the conference final in seventy-eight. That's all that's all Lee fans have to live live for, right? Is uh, are those five instances when they made the semifinals of the conference finals. Other than that, what the hell is there? Well, I Jeez. mean
1: I feel like if I if when I separate myself
0: up in 94
1: when when I separate myself and I'm a media person I do feel like yes leaf fans deserve better they do because it's a passionate fan base and the memories just there's just not enough good memories.
0: No, But a, but of course, and I'm putting my media hat on here and, and separating my emotional uh, connection to the team, you have a, a, a sizable amount of members of the media who decide that when the Leafs lose, they're going to be like the 72 Dolphins, a bunch of geriatric assholes who pop champagne because they're the only uh, unbeaten team. You have a bunch of media members who – basically go around like uh, jumping for joy and celebrating that a fan base who, who've spent, you know, billions of dollars in ticket revenue over the last 54, 53 to 54 years have, you know, have fallen short again. I, I, I honestly, I don't find the only fan base that I celebrate when they lose is Montreal because they've won 25 times.
1: Well, I'll give you a funny moment. I don't remember when this was because I've been to Toronto so many times, but we're in Toronto, we're walking around, we're going into some like sports shops and things like that. We had a couple hours to kill and we go into one and there's a guy sitting in a chair and 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 he finds out <laughs> excuse me, finds out that we're hockey fans and he goes, I'm a big leafs fan, Optimus Rhyme. And he said that to me. And I'm like, I, I just looked at him and I'm like, he's not gonna win you anything. And the guy goes, he looks at me like I have three heads. What do you mean? What do you mean he's not going to – I'm like, listen, I've seen this guy play. He's an average goalie. That's that's it. I'm sorry to say that, but I'm just letting you know you need a better goalie. And, you know, if I could make a trip back in time and go back into that store, I would like to see what that guy says to me now. He, I don't know. I don't. Maybe it would be Freddie Anderson. Maybe he would say Freddie Anderson.
0: Optimus Bernier. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't
1: know what he would say now, but he just said it to me in such a, like – weird way like like that like he was the answer and it's just like I wasn't buying it even then. So yeah,
0: no it's just I mean I mean granted this team has been flawed over the years. Yes. And it'll be okay. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see you know Nick Felino tonight uh join the Leafs. Uh they need him. Uh it's a big game. Yes. I don't know whether he you know his entry is gonna make any big difference they now one thing I one thing I think I I do like regarding Sheldon Keith in his first game he's putting Felino right into the fire he's putting him with Matthews and Marner he's not putting him on the third line he's like okay you know what get ready kiddo you're you're, but, you're- uh,
1: listen that's a that's the move because is going to be fired <laughs> up that is the absolute way to get the most out of him
0: yeah and I think And I think it's beneficial to the team to have a guy who's sort of a crash and banger, a responsible two-way guy – playing on that line, whereas Matthews and Marner are going to be somebody who are trying to create offense and sometimes leave themselves out there a little bit defensively, although I think M- Matthews is much more responsible as a two-way guy than he's been over the last few years. But I, I, I like that, and, you know, we're going to see over the next few weeks where the Leafs go. That division is getting, like I said, getting tighter. Uh, Winnipeg is only four points behind the Leafs with the game in hand. Uh yeah, well, I don't know what that was. I hey. don't
1: even want to know. Uh, um, my, my two dogs are with me, so I'm and and I know where the cats are, so I'm going to say it's okay. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> Kaya torture. Um, but- no, Kaya's here. She's got a cone on, and she just had eye surgery um, a week ago, and yeah, so sure. she has
0: to. Sure, you you're beating up Kaya. That's what you see the black and blue marks. It's, it's no, she
1: she had to go, she had a a growth under her eyelid. So that's kind of like well, I'm just letting the audience know. So it's kind of sensitive surgery, you know. And so she has she has an ophthalmologist because she has one eye that doesn't work, and the other one she has to put we have to put like 10, 12 drops in a day, different things, three different medications just for her glaucoma. So right now she's looking pretty good. She's got these panda eyes, but the uh Right now, she's got her head in my lap with the comb.
0: I don't know, Terry. Uh, somebody asked Felino this question after you got after the trade was made. Um, his brother and he both jumped like his dad, like their dad, on their first NHL goal. I, I don't think Nick would jump if he does, if he does, if he just scores a regular season goal for the Leafs, but if he scores an overtime goal like his dad did in 93 against the Red Wings, I think he probably would jump, but I, I you know, we can only, we can only hope because I, I, I'm excited to see, you know, cause I've always liked Nick Felino as a, as a player. He's always been a really yeah. pro and joining this group, you know, it should be it should be cool. Let's just hope and pray. It's not like Doug Gilmore coming back for his second turn in Toronto, which lasted about two minutes, and then he blew his ACL and he was out for the year and it ended, ended his career. I'm hoping for a much better
1: uh debut for Nick Felino. But that yeah, it will be. I mean he'll he'll crash and bang and and maybe he'll get a dirty goal. And yeah, I mean, I think all of that will be really good. I do. Uh, we'll and, see. Uh, Long term though, the Leafs they are having a little bit of an injury bug thing, and I do worry a little bit about the the older guys, the age that they've plugged in. I don't worry about Spencer. When I talk about the age, it's never Jason Spezza because he's reliable as anybody, but it's Thornton, it's Simmons – these guys could miss shifts and miss time at any given moment.
0: Well, uh, and I'll give Keith credit here. He is starting to insert some of the younger players. Yeah. Um, Adam Brooks, who had a couple good years in the American Hockey League, has, he's played only three games this year. He scored a couple goals. He scored a shorthanded goal against Vancouver on Tuesday. He's getting a chance at fourth-line center. Rasmus Sandin is replacing Bogosian. They still don't know what's going on with Bogosian in terms of the injury. So uh, some of the young guys are getting an opportunity. And Jack Campbell is back in net. quarter. Or, uh, for the Leafs. So that this will be a game that we'll, we'll, we'll all watch and we'll see you tomorrow. Now, Let me just
1: ask you this. Do you think there's any chance that the Leafs are going to try and re-sign Simmons off this season? Yes. I don't know if I would. you really think they're going to?
0: Yes, as long as it's around the same amount of money or a little less. I think now the thing the thing is Simmons wanted to use this year as a spring. I know he did. Getting a new contract, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. He's not going to get a multiple year deal anywhere. No. I think you know now the thing is he li- he likes playing in Toronto. He likes being a member of the Leafs. I think the Leafs like his energy. But with their contract situation, with guys like Hyman needing a new deal and Riley, and we don't know about the goaltending. If he tries to ask for two and a half million, it's not going to happen. If he comes back at around the same amount of money, I think they'll resign. it. They like the effect that he has in the room. They like that he, he's one of the few guys who crashes and bangs. So yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll bring him back. I think they'll bring Spetsa back. I think they'd bring Bogosian back. The only one I think that they wouldn't bring back, and not because he doesn't have a positive effect, but I think that. I think this is it for Thornton. I think this. I don't think Thornton. Sure. Up here. A um, Couple notes here. Uh, Mort Sider wins the Elite Prospects Award for top junior player in the SHL. It becomes the first non-Swede to win that. Now, Russ. I mean, back to the uh, combine. We heard, uh, you know, he was going to be somebody who was uh, who was climbing the the, the draft chart. Mm-hmm. Gets drafted sixth, I believe, by Detroit. Doesn't play in the NHL. Doesn't play the, in the AHL this year. They send him over to Sweden. He has a great year. He's going to be in the NHL next year. This was a good move by the by the Red Wings to let him play, let him play regularly in the SHL.
1: Yeah, no question. We all were in favor of that. I thought it was a great move. I was just like, you know what? Better that than playing with a semi lousy team. Even though, even though Detroit's playing a little better of late, and still. Let's let's let him get that season in. He did. He wins the award. That's great. I write for elite prospects, so I'm happy, and I'm I really like Sider. You knew how high I was. I'm actually gonna look let people know where I ranked him because I forget actually where I am. I, um, like ten. Yeah, it might have been like somewhere between eight and ten. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, like I think like the uh, NHL central central scouting had him like eighteen or something.
1: Like that. Yeah, it was something they definitely didn't know enough about him. It was one of those situations where, um, but yeah, we they, they we stayed.
0: could we could tell at the combine because you know his, yeah. his measurables were off the chart, and he had played great for for Germany at the world at the world championships as a seven
1: or eighteen year old. So. Right. That was and, and and that's that is the one failing of like you know central scouting is when they get this list into the teams they. Time is not on their side, right? So they don't get the benefit of seeing that. And so then it's like, all right, I get it. But at the end of the day, yeah, he, he's a heck of a player. Uh, so let's see. Oh, this is my first version. Well, let's see where I ranked him on my first one. My first one, I had him ranked ninth. So we'll see if I can find my third or fourth version. But anyhow, I'm high on the kid, and I really do think he uh, he's a heck of a player. Um, okay,
0: we'll take some questions
1: in the chat. Uh, Flamester is asking, Russ,
0: how close do you think uh, Jacob Pelletier Pal- – Pelletier. Pelletier, excuse me. Uh, to, uh, I, making the jump
1: next season. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's ready to make the jump. I do know that he does play two-way hockey, so that's really good. I do know that he's speedy. He could score. He's got a good shot. I really was pretty high on him as well, higher than some, because I felt like others were like not sure what kind of offense he would bring to the next level. And I guess you know that's going to be a question mark until it happens. But I really, uh, I really like him, and I just don't know. Like I have, I've had, I found my third ranking. So I had cider ninth. I had Peltier twenty fifth, and I have to go see where he went now. I'm not even sure. Let's well, see. But I like them. I just don't know if I put them in the NHL next year.
0: Okay, while you're looking while you're looking okay. that up here, I'll, I'll answer this and you get your uh, opinion on Rogers
1: asking. Twenty six. So pretty. You know, it's pretty close mm-hmm. ranking. You never. Teams aren't supposed to necessarily pick where I rank players, but in All that right. case, it worked out. How close
0: would you put Amaroff to getting a chance on the NHL club? I'll give you my opinion. They start. Okay, they sign you three a three year ELC. To start next season. Now he's all. They've already said he's going back to Ufa for 21-22. So scratch next year. He'll come to training camp, but he's going back to Russia.
1: Now he'll go back to Russia for another year for sure. Right.
0: Now, now the thing is, with that, that's fine because the contract slides. Yeah. They'll have the full three year. He is a full three years of the deal. He'll be 20. He'll be 20.
1: After that, he's 19 now. Is um, there a guarantee that he comes that next year for the Leafs? No, because he's rushing and if he gets thrown a lot of money at him, it could take longer. I mean, if he has a great year. Well, they already it, it they, could, are, they already signed him to the, to the ELC. No, no, I know that, but it's not going to take effect until he shows. But what I'm saying is it could take longer for him to show. It doesn't yeah. mean he's going – we know he's going back to Russia next year, but he could go back to Russia for a year after that too is well, my it, point. It, it, so, it sounds like that basically – um
0: if he doesn't make the Leafs in 22, that he goes back to Russia. Right. And I would think that that would be the stipulation. Right. Yeah. it's So it's it's basically the European assignment clause.
1: And, you know, and it's one of those things, this isn't about um, – Is the KHL a developmental league? This is just about hey, he can make money there. Don't take money out of this guy's pocket when you want him to be a star for you down the line.
0: And they have a relationship with UFA, a good working relationship, and he can get you know he gets more mature, he gets stronger, he becomes more of a finished product. You know, so at 21 years old, if he comes over and plays half a year in the NHL or or steps right into the lineup, that's you know it's not a that's not a loose scenario for the Leafs. So I, no. think, I I don't think you'll see him next year, and you might not see him the year after that. But that you know, again, he's 19 years
1: old right now. I I'm going to say no to this for Mike Sullivan should he be a candidate for coach of the year because of the injuries and everything. Because a lot of people had him fired midseason when things weren't going so well. So I, I don't think so. I think he is just going to hold on to his job because he weathered the season. He's getting paid to what he, for what he's supposed to do. But I think ultimately on this one, the players pulled through, but it's been a little shaky with Sullivan the last couple of years. It's gone up and down with him. I supported him last year when I know a lot of people felt like he was going to go and he didn't remember. Eck was talking about that for a little while. So I think he's safe for now, but again, Ron Hextall's there. Mike Sullivan's not his guy. That's not going to last forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean we'll do this closer to the end of the season when we talk about, you know, candidates for the Calder, candidates for coach of the year. Yeah, we'll do that later on. Yeah, I mean, but uh, let's see here. Because the
1: Calder is a race, and right now Ilya Sorokin is fourth or fifth in that race, much to X Chagrin.
0: <laughs> Uh, do you think Kekalin might try to trade one of his three first-rounders? The only way he does that is that he can get a player who's an NHL player who he can hold on to for four or five years. Because-
1: uh, yeah, I do think um, I do think he is – let's see. I mean, so yeah, he- it has to be somebody like that. Is there somebody – I'm trying to think in my head – well, okay. Is there I'm, I'm, somebody like
0: that. Oh I'm a tra- like a Travis Connectney. Let's, let's use let's use Philadelphia as an example. He's locked in on a contract. He doesn't have no trade clause. Unless he throws a hissy fit like Jeff Carter, he'd be stay basically you know, he's gotta stay in Columbus and make the best of it. They, they they're not
1: going to trade for guys who can easily walk away quickly. No, no, no. I get that, but you're also not gonna get the best out of Konechny if you do that, and you should know that if you make that trade. But I get what you're saying. There's probably a couple players like that out there. Um, you know, honestly, with Columbus right now, I might just take all picks and prospects, guys that aren't going to be in the NHL, because they're starting over anyhow, honestly. After after this happens and Seth Jones leaves or Wrensky leaves, one or the other, they're starting over, Mike.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, Terry 3G's. Uh, no, So no matter what the outcome of the Leafs are in the playoffs, do you see them finally plugging in Sandin and Lilligran into the Leafs' blue line next season? Uh, okay. Let's say, okay, right now, next year, Muzzin's back, Brody's back, and Riley's back. That's your top three. I believe that Zach Bogosian is willing to sign a deal, again, close to what he signed this year. Which is a million dollars for a year. If they give him a raise, million five. You know, he's scored I think four points all year, but he's been a solid bottom pairing veteran defenseman. But I mean, next year will be the year he plays five games. I'm not sure I'd sign Jack Magog. Right, but if it's a million dollars, then it doesn't I matter. I mean, I you know. know, then you put it on LTIR. But I'm saying at a low price, you br- you bring him in. Or the question right now with the Leafs on the on the blue line is, they protect three in the expansion draft. That means you expose Justin Hall and you expose Travis Dermott. Right. I personally, believe that they're going to try to entice Seattle to take Dermott and to pass over Hall right. because Hall is played playing on the second pair. Well, what are you going to give them
1: for that enticement? Probably a draft pick. Yeah, I don't know if they'll do it for a draft pick. Like, they,
0: might, they might. They might not. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. They might try to do. You know, the thing is, what they that be
1: like? That might be like you. Um, you know tipping a guy at the at Yankee Stadium a five to get a better seat and he's looking for a 20. Oh. there's a lot of empty seats I can just walk and take one <laughs> See, see you are that guy I knew it <laughs> the 20 Mike that's the I'll, answer you know, I'll jump
0: over the wall to sit next to Nicole Kidman and her kids in the in the luxury boxes no um but what they might do is they might protect eight skaters in one and protect- they could do that. And protect Hall because then it would basically, uh, uh, you know, they would uh, expose a guy like Kerfoot who's making three and a half million bucks. Something, something, I mean, Hall's,
1: Hall's good, sure. uh, especially because of his not making much money. His salary is really what makes the player, yeah. players decent, but the salary is really what makes it,
0: yeah, a great mo- package. Two million dollars for another two years. But to answer your question, Sandine is going to be the player who replaces whoever they lose, if they lose one
1: of whole or... Done. Yeah, Lil Chagrin's never going to get a chance with the with the Leafs. I can tell you that right now. They've, they've strung they strung him along this, this long. They're not doing it. They,
0: you know, the funny thing is, they've strung him along, but they clearly see him as an asset.
1: Oh, no, he... But, again, this is the same way that... Lush treating Josh Hosang as an asset.
0: Yeah, Those but, assets
1: don't get to see the ice, Mike. They're just assets. Yes, but. but And I don't like to see that as a, as no, a prospect but, guy.
0: But at least in this instance, they've developed Lilia Grin. Uh, to a degree, and, I think they've stunted his development now.
1: Uh, I mean, he, he clearly wasn't ready last year. No, no, it. but this year he could have seen time. Right, there's and been a million opportunities. You know well, that earlier. The other,
0: other than Jake Muzzin breaking a bone in his face uh, and missing two games,
1: they've had they've lost no man games on the blue line. Okay, all right. So hold on. So you're telling me there's no way he could have played in place of Zach Bogosian? Come on, Mike. They played. They they sat Bogosian one game. No, I'm saying, but they should have sat him more to get oh, this kid some playing time if they really cared about him, but they he's don't. Played, he's played good. That's that they weren't going to mess with success. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Yeah, they were rotating uh, Miko Lettinen and Dermott until they decided Dermott was the one. And then they played the same six uh, for 25 games or something like that.
1: So right. So they're going to freeze him out next year, too. So they're going or, to. Or they, or they trade him for draft picks. Right, that's what's going to probably happen. He's going to probably get traded at the draft because they're going to realize he'll. we can't hold on to him any longer, and we might as well get something for him.
0: Now he's exempt, so they won't lose him in the expansion. No, they won't lose him that way,
1: but they're going to probably just get rid of him. Right. All right, uh, good show, guys. Uh, uh, hold on. So I'll answer this one more because Anthony asked, is there a blue liner that you'd like to see the Rangers add this summer? Honestly, if they added somebody who has a physical edge to them, that would be good. Uh you know, Brendan Smith never really filled that bill the right way. But if you could get a, uh, a hard-nosed defenseman, you know that would be good. I'm just trying to think if, if anybody comes uh, to mind. Like, I'm looking
0: up the uh, I'm looking up defenseman UFAs just to see what uh, what would be out there. Um,
1: well, I mean, David Savard. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to cost too much for their salary structure, though. Who else you got? Well, I got to figure it's the guys who who are, who are, I mean, Jordy Ben? Yeah, a guy like Jordy Ben would actually be very good for their system. He would because then you could actually, you know, it won't be all up to Truba to kind of, you know, have to lay those big hits. I, I think a guy like Ben would, I would not take on the Burns contract. No uh, way, no how. You're talking about Wade Redden, Get Okay, the second he, coming of Wade Redden with that.
0: Here you go. I, I'm just reading off the UFA's uh, – courtesy of Cap Friendly. Alex Edler, wrong type of defenseman. Right, uh, Mark Stahl, been there, done that. Uh, Alex Goligoski. Nope. Nope. Yarmelson. Nope. A eh, little too old. A little too old. Uh, Jason Demers,
1: same. Ian Cole. Ian Cole would be a good addition. If they could get Ian Cole for a couple of years at the right price, he could help along some of the young guys. Because, look, Ryan Lindgren will eventually be that guy. But you don't want to put all the pressure on him still. He's still not, you know, hasn't played enough games. Uh, Erica Branson. No. Uh, Alec Martinez. Look, Martinez could do something for him. I mean, if he came in. He's actually had a good offensive year, so he's going to cost. He's going to cost, so, yeah, forget that. Uh,
0: Forget Tyson Berry. Well, the defensive stalwart known as Eric Gustafson. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, Jordy Ben, as I said, uh, Vatanen, no, no. Gunnarsson injury problem. I like Ian
1: Cole and I like Jordy Ben as options. Yeah. I mean, Dmitry Kulikov. Nah, I don't think he'd even be a good fit. So, yeah. Oh, I'm we saying like Zadorov Yeah, like He's if they could get Zadorov of course they could get him, but they're not going to get him.
0: He's an RFA, not a UFA.
1: I'll tell you who would have been a good fit, Mike. Ryan Graves. They gave him away for Chris Bigra. That was a horrible trade. What about Zedano Chara? Yeah, that could be a good one. If they could lure Zidano, because I said that this year, if they could imagine if they did have Zedano Chara, this run that they're having would be a lot better.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Uh good show. We'll be back tomorrow with
0: another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Ajello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz.